Well, hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tougher even if they don't. Today is episode 3027 of the Survival Podcast, and I'm calling today's show The Matrix is Crashing. Uh, now, I want you to understand right out of the gate, I'm not saying like, we won, it's all over, or anything like that. And what we're actually talking about today, which is going to be more of a big glitch than rather just a crash of the Matrix, is the Canadian truckers' strike, uh, or rebellion, or freedom convoy, or whatever. I like rebellion. I see this say truckers' rebellion. Uh, these guys are, are, are have rolled on into Ottawa. There's tens of thousands of trucks that are part of this protest. And they're basically saying, We're, we've had enough. No more federal mandates from the Canadian government. And this is going to spread. And I have sources telling me that this is not just being talked about everywhere. This is actively being organized now everywhere. This has struck a chord with people. And we feel that we now have a template for pushing back. Whether or not that results in victory, all or partial, is yet to be seen. The key is this is going to happen. The media is pretending it's not happening. All weekend long, the only thing I heard the media rambling on and on about was a giant, you know, once-in-a-century snowstorm in the northeastern United States. It's like, they're going to get two feet of snow. Come on, really? That's that's end-to-end, stop the presses, this is all we have to talk about? Snow? In January, in the Northeast, it's madness. It's crazy talk. You know, you, they're acting like they're having this kind of snow event in July or something here. That's because they don't want you to look at it. I'm going to tell you today why that's actually a good thing. Why that shows they actually know that they're losing. We're going to talk about the difference between hope and hopium. This is not hopium I'm spreading today. This is hope. It doesn't mean it'll, it'll work. But it also is a reality of we need to be prepared for this. I think there's a good 85 to 90% chance... You get a significant version of this in the United States in the next month or two. And when you do, the bare shelves you've seen up till now will be a joke in comparison. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to understand what's going on. We need to learn from what's going right up in Canada, what maybe could be done better, how we can keep things in line here. We need to think about this as we go forward with it because it's going to happen. But when you don't go first, you get one huge advantage. You get to look at the person that did, or the people that did, or the group that did. And you get to see everything they did right, and you get to do more of that. And you get to do, see everything that they made a mistake with, or maybe could have done better, and you get to correct for that before you go. So we're going to be talking about all of that today in just a moment. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor day number one today is BulkAmmo.com. I believe an armed society is a polite society. I really do. And I think if you want to test that theory, go to the rifle range. Everybody's nice. Everybody's nice at the rifle range. There's one thing, though, about being an armed society. An armed society without ammo may as well not be an armed society. It is the thing that makes a gun actually a gun instead of an overpriced club. And whenever the gun-grabbing bullshit fever comes to a pitch, the first thing that disappears is not guns. It's not even magazines or parts. It's ammunition. Supply shortages on top of gun-grabbing, I think it might get really tight on getting ammo Uh, again, very, very soon. And I think we've been through a major ammo shortage. We haven't completely come out of it, but at least you could reliably get things right now most of the time. I think all things are going to be in short supplies you're going to hear today, so I would stock up now. You can do that at bulkammo.com. Uh, next up today, the Free State Project. You know, one of the real blessings we have in the United States is the ability to vote with our feet, the ability to simply pick up and move and change our entire life 
just by moving across a boundary or a border. Sometimes we can do that by moving to another city, out of an out of a county, uh, just just a small move. But we also have the ability to move from state to state, including all the way across the country. Based on that, the Free State Project was formed over a decade ago now, with the idea of dragging New Hampshire against its will, kicking and screaming directly toward liberty, whether it's ready for it or not. You can learn more about that at fsp.org. And why not take an awesome vacation? We've got spring coming up. Spring in the White Mountains is pretty amazing, guys. Why don't you take a vacation to New Hampshire, get to know some people while you're there, have a great vacation, and see if it's right for you. If you want to know more about that, you can go to fsp.org forward slash visit and H. With that, let's go ahead and dive on into today's subject. What you're about to hear is a live stream that I did today because YouTube still has me shut down. Um, I was on Odyssey and a couple other platforms, and Odyssey, we had a huge turnout, best ever on Odyssey today. So maybe YouTube banning me is a blessing in disguise to build up these alternative platforms. I do want to say something, though, <clears throat> about what you're about to hear. Today's live stream started off with about a 90-second video. There's a lot of narration in it and some music in it, but it's really better if you see it. But since you can't see it unless you go look at the video up, I'll tell you that it draws from the end of the first Matrix movie, and I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. It also draws, when you hear the music completely shift, from some drone footage of just how massive this protest in Ottawa was. And even though it was designed as a video with some pretty cool editing, if I don't say so myself, I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. So I'm not going to edit it out. And as soon as that music ends, I'll be back and we'll start with this session. I know you're out there. I can feel you now. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone. And then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Well, hi, folks. We are live. Hope you guys uh, can hear me out there. Um, something went wrong with uh, Rumble, which is not a huge 
uh, impediment to, uh, to, to what we're doing here today. Um, so, uh, we'll see if it actually kicks up and works, but I, I had it scheduled actually later than we were going to start. And then it, uh, it, it said that it's already done. So I don't know. I'm still learning rumble, but we are on Odyssey and we are on float. We are on uh, Facebook and some other platforms as well, including Twitter. If we're not shadow banned, uh, maybe you're seeing us there on Twitter. If you see me on Twitter, comment. That would be great. Maybe we'll start syncing up with algorithms or something since I am clearly heavily shadow banned on Twitter, uh, Facebook as well. Anyway, today we are going to have a very important episode. We are going to be doing a show called The Matrix is Crashing. I hope that that little intro, if you were lucky enough to be on and caught it, was uh, a little bit inspiring. The Matrix tends to be a pretty dark movie, and I, I think it's designed that way, and that's okay. It has hope built into it. Um, but it is very, very dark. And I really, this weekend while I was watching what was going on in Canada and I saw that video that we ended with there off of, uh, TikTok, I kind of got that vision in my head to put those two things together because that's where we're going now. And I want to talk about this today because of a variety of reasons. One is that this is going to, this is not going to stop. This isn't going to go away. This isn't in the words that Tony Fauci might choose to use a shiny object that'll just go away. All these Canadian guys will just go back home, eh? Right? That's not going to happen. Um, the bigger issue is I think something's been lit on fire, truly lit on fire. And this is going to catch on around the world, and everybody's going to cheer and come out and wave in the streets and go, yay, go truckers, go. But I'm not sure that everybody really understands what it's going to mean when it happens and it comes to where you are. We're going to talk about all of that and more today. I want to start out, though, with something that seems like a bad thing that I actually think is a great thing. It's a great thing because they're literally playing the only card they have. That's how powerful this is. The media blackout. So all weekend, every time I would check to see what the uh, mainstream media was talking about, they were going absolutely ape shit about the fact that there's a snowstorm coming to the northeastern United States of all year, of all times in January. The end of January, snowstorm in the northeast? Madness, I tell you. It's crazy. To, oh, my God. Cats and dogs will be living together having puppy kittens any minute. We are going to die. There's going to be 20 inches of snow, right? All weekend long, these ass clouds are talking about this significant storm, maybe a storm of the century, 20 inches of snow. They think you're stupid because a lot of Americans and a lot of people in the Western world are, by the way. I remember back in, it was like 86, we had a snowstorm in Pennsylvania. The only way you could tell where the cars and trucks were is if you had a little, like an antenna ball, like a jack-in-the-box ball on your antenna. Maybe you could see them sticking out over the snow. We had 60 inches of snow. You know what happened? Absolutely nothing. We all shoveled our shit out and went on with our lives. That was the 80s. If we could handle it in 1986, we could handle it in 2022. 20, 20 inches of snow, and they, these guys are acting like the world's in it. Why? Please don't pay attention to what the Canadian truckers are doing. Please don't pay attention to that. That's a, No, we don't want you. It's nothing. So I, I went on Fox News today, and I finally found a story that at least had the line showing up on Fox News. It was well below the fold, but it was basically mocking Trudeau for running away and hiding and now saying, I got the COVID, I got to hide, right? But the intro in it was really interesting, right? So there's an estimated uh, participation in this of something like 57,000 Canadian truckers. 57,000. That's an army, guys. That's a fucking army. 
And the Fox News host, as he's introducing the segment, says, and there's hundreds, hundreds of Canadian truckers protesting this. Hundreds. Hundreds. Really? Like, it's complete denial. And it's because it's all they have. It's all they have. And if you thought Fox News was your friend because you're on the right versus the left side of the dichotomy, you're learning now, I hope. They are not your friends. They do not care about the truth. This is the single biggest story in the world right now. This is a grassroots, true movement for freedom with massive popular support. Somebody sent me a survey that one of the uh, Canadian news channels did up there uh, to try to probably prove that it's a fringe small minority. And uh, I think it was something like 76% of Canadians that responded to the poll said they support the Canadian truckers revolt. 76%. Small French minority. I know Canada has a smaller population than the U.S., but that's millions of people, eh? Right? Um, yeah, it's actually great that they're blacking it out because it makes them look so utterly stupid. And it also shows you it's it. It's all they have. They don't have anything else that they can do with this. If If they really thought they could just slander this, and they're going to try. But if they really believed they could have slandered it, they would have came out of the gate swinging on it. They would have said, look at all these horrible people. Look, they're all conspiracy theorists. It's too big. It's too many normal people. And God bless you, Canada. It's really hard to paint the average Canadian citizen as an extremist. It's really easy to do that in the U.S. They've been doing it to us for so long that, that people just buy into it and believe it so quickly. But there's probably no more level-headed population out there than Canadians. Canadians are like the most polite and in the best way possible, in some ways, boring people you will meet. I don't mean that negatively. I mean that they don't have a lot of drama in their lives. They go on about their life. They help their next door neighbor. They do their job. All they want is to be left alone. And what have I been telling you? What have I been telling you since this shit started? Wait till the people who just want to be left alone realize they will never be left alone. Wait till that happens. And everybody always thinks that means a bunch of guys running around with AR-15s in the woods. God forbid it could be eventually, but there's other ways that people push back, and that's what you're seeing now. I also want to talk about something else. I've been hitting this up pretty hard over the weekend on social media, and I've had a couple people throw a word at me that I, I'm quick to throw out at people all the time myself, so I guess it, it's okay that it comes back. I just don't think maybe you're using it in the context the right way. Hopium. Jack, are you, are you, are you snorting the hopium? Are you smoking the hopium? Let me explain the difference between hope and hopium, okay? Hopium is when you post a picture that says Hillary Clinton's going to be in an arms jumpsuit. That's hopium. Uh, hopium is when you think that if we win a few elections, everything will go back to normal and everything will be fine and there'll be justice for all. That's hopium. Hope is when you take a logical, pragmatic look at something and go, this can make a difference. Not this ends everything, this is it, we're good, we're, we've won, we're done. Not that. That's hopium. But this can make a difference. And I think when we go through this today, you're going to understand why there's hope here. Why there's hope here for real pushback. And it, it, a big part of it is the trucks are, truckers are uniquely qualified for this. But let's, in case you don't know, in case you just came in on this live stream or somebody shared this video with you after it was done, or maybe you're listening to the audio version of the podcast and you rely on, you know, sources like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, the CBC, uh, the BBC, whoever, you know, wherever you're at in the world for your news. And you think that if something important is happening, they'll tell you. Well, clearly they won't. 
What's happening right now is tens of thousands of truckers have slow-rolled convoys out of both sides of Canada to Ottawa, which is their capital. I think a lot of people don't know the capital of Canada, if you ask them. But this is the, the federal house, you know, where the, the chief clown up there, Trudeau, hides. And they've rolled in, and they have a simple demand. That's That's also what I love about this. Remove all mandates, or we're not going home, and we're not driving our trucks. Now, what started it was the Trudeau administration introduced a requirement for vaccinations for any trucker that crosses the international border. So if you're in a Canadian truck and you go into the United States and come back, you got to get a vaccine. If you're a U.S. trucker that goes into Canada and back, you got to get a vaccine or you can't cross the border. Now, the government of Canada totally has the authority to do this. I don't think they should, but they do. It's international. It makes sense. And Canada is a lot less uh, of a federal republic than the United States is. They do have individual provinces, but they don't have as much autonomy as a state in the United States does. And since this all started, Trudeau's now doubled down. He, he's proposing or he has issued a decree. I don't know which one. That's going to make it where you got to have the same thing to just go between the providence, providences of Canada, which are very big north to south and not quite as big going east to west. Um, But most truckers are probably crossing some provincial boundaries, and it's going to apply to them. You also need to understand that this is uh, this is not just the truckers that don't want to get a vaccine. This is all these truckers. They don't want their industry destroyed, and they're also just fed up, and they're standing up for everybody in their country. These are This is what an actual patriot looks like, somebody that assesses the situation and says, I don't like this. This is really wrong. My government's turned criminal. What is the most effective way that I can make a difference? And so a lot of these truckers are vaccinated. I've, I listened to dozens of them say that they had the vaccine this weekend. And so they're not directly affected by this decree. They can go anywhere they want to doing their job just like they always have because they have their papers, right? Their gesundheit pass, right? Their, their health pass. Right. So what are your papers? I have my papers, but I'm, I don't think we should have to. And I don't think that my fellow truckers should lose their jobs. And I don't think that, well, our whole industry should be disrupted because if you knock all those people out, even the guys that have the vaccine have a massive disruption to their ability to do their job. Because a lot of this stuff is some guys running freight across the border, uh, to some distribution center and then Canadian trucker that's driving all within Canada is then having it loaded up and trucking it across Canada, right? So this is this is affecting all of them, but they're also just like, we're done. And I want you to realize something here that's really, really powerful. When I saw this happening, and I looked at it, and it wasn't just, hey, all truckers go to Ottawa and be there by this time. It was a legitimate convoy, right? They organized a convoy. And they organized convoys that started really far away from Ottawa. Right. They, I'm sure there's some people that kind of like join the convoy on the convoy on the way in, but the convoys all started at, and they came in from multiple directions, very, very far out. And they did a slow roll convoy all the way across the country. And being someone that's taught you guys over the years a lot about something called pattern recognition, I immediately recognized that pattern. It's one of the, the most famous patterns for peaceful protesting through peaceful civil disobedience that you've ever seen. And those of you that know the original story, as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, oh, 
I get it. And some of you don't know the original story, so I'll tell you. Gandhi's march to the sea. That's what this is. If you just show up in Canada to protest, which is what we do here in the United States all the time, we organize a protest, everybody gets there their own way, everybody shows up in D.C., they chant and yell for a while, they clean the streets up if they're right-wing protesters anyway, then they go home. So they go get their voices heard by their elected officials. And your elected officials don't give two shits. And nobody really pays anything if they show a little quick thing on a screen and there's a crowd. What Gandhi did and why it was brilliant, he took a single fundamental human right and said, this is our cause for now. And that cause, and many people really don't know that cause, was about one thing, salt, salt. When the British colonized India, they realized that the Indian subcontinent was surrounded by oceans. And because of that, it was very, very rich in sea salt. And, of course, being a government, they wanted to tax something like salt, especially an internationally traded commodity. It was a lot more valuable back then as a trade commodity than it is today. So they passed a law that said you have to pay a tax on salt. Of course, anybody could go out to the ocean and just fill up some, you know, ceramic ware or something like that or create some you know, basins and evaporate seawater and get salt for free, circumventing the tax. So the British also passed a law that said that citizens of India had no right to make salt. You can look this up if you doubt me. They literally passed a law that said if you were a citizen of India, you could go to prison for evaporating seawater and taking the resulting salt out of it because you were denying the king his ransom. So Gandhi decided he was going to make salt. Now, I'm sure millions of People in India were making salt anyway, right? Agorism at its finest. But Gandhi realized something. The eyes needed to be on you so they knew why you were doing what you were doing, and they knew how oppressive the government was being. So he said, I'm going to march to the sea, and I'm going to make salt. And he started out with a few people, and the crowd grew and grew and grew over time. He took a really long walk to the sea. He didn't, like, get dropped off a couple blocks away and then stroll down there in his sandals. He took this long, slow march. The whole way declaring what he was going to do when he got there. This brought the eyes of the entire world on what was going on. And people that had no idea what was going on were like, what are they going to do? They're going to do what? They're going to make salt. And it was this simple premise that, of course, a human being has the right to evaporate water. And if this was being oppressed, what else was being oppressed? And it gave the cause momentum, and it led to one of the most successful, peaceful rebellions to ever occur in human history. That's the Canadian Truckers' Revolt. And I'm not going to call it a freedom convoy. It's a truckers' revolt. This is a revolution. This is an insurrection in the best way possible against clear tyranny. For those watching the video, you can see my shirt here. And it says it's two skulls with some little uh, ribbon emblems, and it says patriots and tyrants. And, of course, that is from a very famous quote by Thomas Jefferson. The tree of liberty must from time to time be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. In other words, if you're going to keep that tree growing, occasionally you're going to have to fight for liberty. You will never set up a system that will stay eternally liberated without vigilance and without a willingness to sacrifice. In the back of this shirt, you guys can't see, 
there's a tree, and it says the tree of liberty grows thirsty. And I'm telling you, that's what's going on right now. The tree of liberty is growing thirsty. Fortunately, we now have a template. A template so that the liberty tree can be nurtured without the spilling of blood. The big point of this quote by Jefferson was always, the government should fear its people. Not necessarily there had to actually be bloodshed. The government should be kept in fear at all times of the people and thereby feel much as a servant to its master versus the other way around. Now, why are truckers so qualified to do this? I've talked about this a little bit leading up to this, but um, today I want to go deeper into it. Number one is the natural brotherhood. And I'm not woke or nothing, but I'm going to acknowledge there's a lot of women that are truckers. When I say brotherhood here, I mean fraternity, sorority, family. You use it however you want to, right? And there is an instantaneous bond between people who have done this job, who have gotten behind the wheel and moved cargo across the country. And when you are in places where you see people that are, you know, their profession is truck driver, you always see it between them. You can recognize it. When I, when I meet somebody and we talk and I'm like, and they're like, yeah, I was in the military. I'm like, what branch? Especially when they say army and airborne, right? There's a real tightness right there. And you, you know what it looks like when you see it. And when you see it among truckers, it's for a totally different reason, but it's there. It's because they make sacrifices. They leave their family. They go all across long distances. They deal with shit that only they tend to deal with as a people, right? Living on the road is challenging. It's not horrible or anything, but it's challenging. And living on the road out of a truck is uniquely challenging. I lived on the road a lot when I was uh, working as a contractor in telecom. But I drove a pickup truck. You know, it's not that big of a deal. You can pull in anywhere you want. You can pull off anywhere you want. You don't really have to worry about fuel. You have plenty of range. But when you need fuel, everybody has the kind of fuel you need. You can run through a drive-in to grab some food on the way. Like when you're driving a semi, if you've ever had to tow like an RV or anything, you kind of get it, right? You have to think a little bit more. and You have to work together to know, like, how do I get around this, et cetera. So they have that brotherhood. And part of that brotherhood it has allowed them to build an internal communications network. So they use CBs, but these guys have plenty of other means of communications now, and they're always in contact with each other. And when some shit goes down that's simply like a bad accident on a highway, every trucker that's going to be heading through that area knows about it like that. So when it comes to coordinating something like let's all go to this place and park our trucks, blow our horns, and tell the government to go fuck itself, that's a cakewalk. That's easy. Including things like making sure that they have, you know, food and water and supplies. Like I've seen now that they have like tents they're setting up as dining hall mess tents. They have uh, porta johns, et cetera, right? They, 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 they've thought this out. And if you think about it, a lot of these trucks are rolling with trailers. I thought they would all be rolling bobtail, which means no trailer for those that don't know, um, because it's just maneuverability. Some of the issues I just alluded to. And some are, but a ton of them are carrying, you know, trailers. So that's housing out of the cold, and that's you can carry a ton of supplies. They're also carrying a lot of material handling equipment. I've seen, like, variable reach rough terrain forklifts. I used to work on those in the military. Let me tell you what, you're not putting a concrete barrier in the way and shutting down somebody that has a variable reach forklift. You're just not doing it. Um, here's the big thing, though. They have the power to shut things down. By doing nothing. That's all they have to do. They don't have to convoy to Ottawa or D.C. 
or Sydney or wherever else they're going to go next. Rome. I don't know. You know, Berlin, all those places. I expect you guys to see a big convoy of truckers soon. Just, just saying. Right. But they don't have to. They can all do this. You know what? Until you guys stop fucking around. Fuck it. We're done. They can just stay home. They can just stay home. What do I mean? Shut everything down. 71% of everything that moves through a marketplace of any kind in the United States, 71% moves by truck. Fuel moves by truck. Okay. Right. So your gas, your oil, your diesel fuel moves by truck. There's pipelines. Yeah, but it moves by truck. Natural gas, same thing. Tons of it is moved around by truck. It's winter. You might need some of that stuff. I'm just saying. They can shut everything down doing nothing. They can convoy to a place. They can be made uncomfortable or whatever and basically forced to leave or decide they want to leave. But it doesn't mean it's over. They can all just drive home. That, good to be home. Oh, by the way, I've seen quite a few of those truckers in Ottawa on those big flatbed trailers. The ones that have flatbed trailers. They had houses. Like big ass small cabin, like super mega ice fishing cabins, right? They're going to stay a while. But even if they leave, all they have to do is say, you know what? I don't think I'm going to drive my truck for a while. And that brings in all of the truckers that have J-O-Bs, right? But don't own the rig. And if they took their, you know, their rig home, it would be theft. They just have to not show up. Maybe they get in their pickup and go along with the convoy. You know, I, I, I heard a lot of people talking about that. This weekend, that's exactly what was going on. They were truckers who drove for a company and they couldn't take the truck. And the company didn't want to get in on, on board with it. So they just said, well, I, I feel sick. I'm going to be gone for a while. Bye. And they headed over to Ottawa. There's really not another profession out there that has this much power. And this is something that I've talked about is a risk to supply chains since 2008 when I started my show. A trucker strike. For whatever reason. And that's a big part of why I wanted to do this today. You better have your shit together because this is coming. This is coming everywhere and it's going to look like really slow motion and then all at once. Gradually, then suddenly, yet again. And they have the ability to marshal resources and have huge popular support right now. I bet you most of you watching this today are fed up. You're done. You want something done and you don't know what to do. We've all floated all kinds of ideas. Let's all not shop on the weekends or Friday through Saturday or whatever and show them what it looks like when the unvaccinated don't shop or whatever. But there's, there's a logistical problem there. These guys, all they have to do is park the fucking truck. That's it. And everybody's screwed and everybody's attention will be had sooner or later. And they have amazing support, right? It's real easy to say, Oh, these are just some fringe lunatics and all. Everybody I know that has more than, you know, more friends than you can count on one hand. If you got more than five people in your life, you probably have somebody you know and you like who's a truck driver. Truck drivers live in our neighborhoods. They live next door to us. Our kids do the whole, you know, blow your horn for the truck drivers when we drive by on the highway. And truckers wave back and blow horns for the little kids from time to time. We see them every day. And we know, even if we don't acknowledge it, we know how much we rely on them. We know they're working class blue collar people. We know that they are hugely patriotic people as a demographic. That doesn't mean all of them. It doesn't mean every trucker is a great guy or everybody, every trucker is a great patriot. But as, as a demographic, 
If you ask the average American, the average Canadian, the average German, the average Italian, who do you have a higher opinion of? The average trucker or the average politician? Doesn't even matter what party the politician's in. They favor the trucker. So they have a tremendous upswelling of popular support and the leverage to go with it and the tools to coordinate and pull it off. I don't know that there is another group of people that you can say all of that about. Next, um, I, I want to talk about why I believe it is going to spread into the United States. People want it to. That's the number one reason. People want it to. People are looking at Canada right now and going, that's what we should do. I, I bet you I'll look over here on the Odyssey stream where I can see your comments. And on, on Facebook, I can see them on my screen. Um Of the people who are 205 on Odyssey, I think it's a record for Odyssey since uh, YouTube shut me down. Maybe it's good that you get shut down by YouTube, huh? Anyway, um, if you want to see this happen all over the world, just in the comment section, say me. Me or I do or something like that. And I bet they're going to come flying in. Facebook, too. You guys on Facebook. If you want to see this happen, say me or I do. And let me see it. Let me see it. Let's see the comments. And if you're a trucker and you're willing to do it, say, I'm a trucker and I'm willing to do it. Or a trucker here. Just anything. Just to identify yourself as a trucker. You got a trucker in a family, whatever, who you know would do it if they got the opportunity. And here they come. Me, me, me. I'm owner-operator and I support a U.S. convoy uh, from uh, Brad. And it's coming in over on the other screen. Me, but only because I'm ready for it. Ah, somebody. Podboy gets it. Podboy gets it. We're going to get there next. Trust me, this is something people want, and it's doable, and the the people that can do it largely are freedom-oriented individuals. There's, You know, you don't get rich driving a truck. You can do really well as an owner-operator that builds out a fleet and brings in other drivers. You can become wealthy that way. You know, that's that's like 1% of people that ever take the job of driving a truck. You can make a good living driving a truck. I know a lot of people who drove trucks. One of my neighbors I had in Pennsylvania, he drove truck his whole life. He drove for 40 years. And I watched him build his home into his dream after he retired. You know, And he had the money to be able to do it because he was smart about it his whole life. But you're not, you're not rich. There's a couple of reasons people do truck driving. One is because it's generally accessible. Like if you can see and you can drive and you can pass the exam, you can get a job and you have a lot of job security because we always need to move stuff. Number two is it pays decent. Not super, but it pays decent. But number three is it's got an incredible amount of freedom to it. 90% of your job involves not talking to or dealing with any other people. You get in your rig and you go. And I spent a lot of my life in my car and in my truck going like that. And it was like one of the best parts of that job was the time in between locations where you're in your bubble and no one can get to you. It's also kind of why they really don't need to worry too much about these guys spreading COVID, right? Okay. Like, but yeah, these guys are freedom oriented. Like their entire lifestyle is based on the freedom of the open road. And they are also a group of people that know full well that their day is coming to an end. That we will have these autonomous vehicles and all. And they're not getting out of it yet. Okay. We'll get to that in just a second. But they know this is coming. They know that you probably got a 10 to 20 year maximum future as an industry before these vehicles are all driving themselves autonomously. Or if there's going to be like little short runs that people will do and all the long haul is going to be done by, by robots. They know that. 
So you might as well do something with it on the way out, right? If your, if your way of life is slowly coming to an end, but you can help liberate humanity from this tyranny, you might as well do it. These guys are motivated. Now, I, I want to say the last thing about why they're uniquely qualified to do it is, like some people were bringing that up, Jack, they're just going to go, you're going to speed up automation. You're going to do that in February? You're going to do that this month? Right? You're going to do that this year? You're going to do that in the next two years? No? Okay, then you're fucked. You can't, see, people that drive rigs like this, they have to pass exams. Right? You, there's no large bench. There's no deep bench. You can just start calling up guys out of the minors, right? Like, I remember when the Major League Baseball went on strike back in the early 90s. My girlfriend uh, worked for a company. She had season tickets to the Rangers we used to go. And I guess like, I'm like, I guess we're not going. She goes, no, the minor league, they're going to bring the minor leagues up. They're going to play. And we went and we watched. It was some pretty decent baseball. But they had that deep bench. You could just bring, like, minor leaguers, like, I get to play. I'll play. Yeah. That doesn't work that way with uh, truck drivers. There's special licensing requirements, and a lot of the trucks have additional licensing requirements. You have your CDL, but then you have specializations that allow you to do things like transport hazardous materials and stuff like that. So there's just not a way to replace them. You can't activate the National Guard and replace all of them. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Not to mention a lot of the National Guard guys that you think you would call up to do it are truck drivers in their regular life. Those are the ones actually qualified to drive a truck. I don't know how it is now, but when I was in the Army... These guys driving these big trucks, they could drive them. They were good, but they didn't have the certification because they didn't need it because they were doing military transport. So you got a, a huge problem here if these guys just stay home. And I think that's a lot what might happen is as much as you'll see with these slow rolls and convoys, there'll be a lot of additional truckers that just, you know, hey, I saved up two months of sick pay. I feel really sick. Maybe it's the two-month COVIDs. I don't know. Um What I've learned so far, though, I, I, I wanted to talk about some things I've been witnessing. I've been listening to their Zello channels and stuff like that and seeing what they're doing and kind of what is the textbook? What is the template? And what are the improvements to make as this spread? So that as it spreads, instead of degrading in, in, in performance, it actually gets better because we can look at who went first and say, here's their mistakes. Here's how we can do it better. One is Zello. It's great for sharing information, but... They're trying to use like this massive Zello channel with 5,000 members to distribute really important information. And they have this policy where people get on and go break, break, break. And then that means everybody's supposed to shut up unless you're part of that. And then the moderators will open it back up. But what happens is trolls get on there and call break, 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 just to break. People get on there that actually have important information, say break, 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 and unkey the mic when they finally get through. And then people are still talking over because they don't get in, in line with it. You, you need a better command of how to use Zello than these guys have. And I'm not putting them down because, like, I'm sure it was like, what are we going to use? Zello, oh, it works. And they're learning. But uh, I think as these, this movement spread, we need to get, like, Zello veterans, like people out of TSP community, can just help with how to manage communications. Well, I mean, what I would personally do is I would have people within the network that are trusted people for conveying information like that because there's so much CB and other comms available that, You know, you can reach somebody like that if you need to. And then they would call in. And if it needed to go network wide, the moderators would just switch to listen only mode, distribute the information, and then turn back the chatter back on. Something like that. But we need to get a better handle on how to use these mass communications uh, because there's a ton of work these guys do. And I, I, I finally got able to key up the mic myself. 
and told them this weekend, God bless you guys for what you're doing, talking to the moderators, because there were so many trolls, so many people cursing their brains out and all. And I know I'll drop a curse word or whatever, but this is not a kid's show. Like you got these little kids going, go truckers, go truckers. And the guy coming back, oh, fuck you kid, you're fucking stupid. And then getting, getting nuked off by a moderator. Uh, there's so much of that that they need uh, better, tighter controls over things like that. But they're doing a good job. Um, Facebook is a good place to start. Like all of these movements are starting on Facebook and building out these huge pages with eight, nine hundred thousand people on them. If you're going to do that with any movement, you need to immediately create a mirror page on an alternative platform that will not take you down. And every other post needs to be, hey, they're going to shut us down. Go here now. So when they do, you don't lose connection with the group. That needs to happen on all these movements. Um, next, uh, you have to push infiltrators out. If you have a troublemaker, I got it's a fed, I got it's a nut, I got it's a problem, he's got to go. You know, I was explaining recently what's going on in Ukraine and this idea that we want to make Ukraine part of NATO to my, to my grandson. He's 11, right? It's a little bit up here above the kid's head, right? But I was like, how can I explain this? And uh, I said, well, they shouldn't be in NATO anyway. I know it sounds like an aside, but it'll make sense here in a second. They shouldn't be in NATO anyway because the NATO charter says to come into NATO, your country has to be stable and free from internal strife and uh, like religious division and things like that. Like you have to be a stable country before you come into NATO. Because if you're not, it's like having a when you're in NATO. If any country attacks you, all the other NATO countries are required by treaty. They must defend you. Okay. So if you went out to a club with a bunch of your friends and you guys were all mentally stable people and nobody wanted to cause any trouble and you knew that, you would all have each other's back. Right. But if you had, you know, a friend that you kind of let come along, but you don't want to do that with because he's mentally unstable, he's the kind of person that goes out and picks fights to begin with. If you all made a pact that we all have each other's back, including this mentally unstable person, how likely is that person to get into a fight if you go to a club with them? And my, my, my 11 year old grandson goes, Oh, he's going to do it. Right. So I was, I use that to explain that. And this is what we have to keep our, our, our mind on here is that we have infiltrators that want to get in and cause a fight. They want to cause a problem. And we need to make sure that those people are identified as quickly as possible and pushed out to the, to the side and not a lot. And it seems like they're doing a good job of this. That's going to be very difficult here. Um, one thing I love that they're doing when they started this, I'm like, they're going to shut the whole place down. And then that's going to lead to problems and it's going to lead to their terrorists and they're going to be making stories about people dying because they can't get to the hospital. No, they're going out of their way. All the trucks, if it's on a, a two lane, Highway, every truck in the slow lane in the convoy, every truck in the slow lane. And they're directing the, you know, the, the smaller vehicle traffic to stay behind the convoy and they're keeping them separated. They're doing a real good job of organizing that and they're not black blocking roads. If it's two lanes, the trucks get one. If it's three lanes, the trucks get two, always leaving one lane for passing. When they're pulling into Ottawa and these places around Ottawa, they're surrounding they're always leaving a lane where emergency vehicle access can get through so the cops can't come in and say, hey, you're shutting down the roads because they're not. Now, they might be slowing everything down. Tough shit. But they're not they're not pulling Antifa crap. 
They're not blocking off the highway with their bodies. They're blocking off part of the roads with their trucks, much smarter. Um, and we need to keep that mentality going here. Um, and we need to make sure there's food and other supplies available. Like, again, medical supplies, um, bathrooms, Porta Johnson stuff. And they're doing that. I just don't know how well, how well the logistics were put together. We need to make sure as this spreads, whoever's organizing it, that's just one punch list to look through. I'm sure we can come up with more. Um, we have some unique problems here in the United States, though, when this comes here to this working the way it's working in Canada. Number one, our FBI is going to try to Jan 6th it. They are. Not they might, not they probably will. Our FBI will push operatives into it, and they will try to make them look like domestic terrorists, white racist extremists, whatever. Because the left's formula right now is so transparent because they're out of ideas, right? They're out of shit to do. Anybody that says anything you don't like is immediately a right-wing, white supremacist, extremist, domestic terrorist. If the person's black, he's still a white supremacist. If he's a Mexican, he's a white supremacist Mexican, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. It's the it's, it's old and boring, but they'll do it, and they'll get people. They'll go out and they'll talk to truckers that maybe have a little bit of problems in their past and maybe would like a certain thing on their, their legal record to go away, right, and say, like, if you help us and serve your country right now, right, they will put infiltrators in. So we have to be hyper vigilant for that. Next, we're going to have a hell of a lot more counter protesters here. If you notice, there's not a lot of Antifa people running around in Ottawa right now. There might be a little bit. There's a little bit of people pretending to be Nazis or whatever to try to sully the whole thing. But really, it's, it's, Canada's a different place. Canada's a lot more united than the United States is right now. The general population's a good 75, 80% on board with liberty, right? Maybe not. Liberty that you and I think of as far as firearm freedom and stuff like that. But in this, they're united. This country that we live in here in the United States, we're very, very divided yet. And so there will be Antifa guys throwing bricks off overpasses at trucks. Shit like that's going to happen. And we're going to have to deal with it. Um, and it may require a little bit more thought about how it's organized here in the United States. What they're organizing right now is L.A. to D.C., That's what I'm hearing is being organized right now. Um, another thing we have, though, that limits how much popular support these guys may get, especially as the, sh the, the store shelves start to dry up, is about half the people in this country are largely unaffected by this shit right now because of where they live, either the state they live in or the part of the state that they live in. And we have so many people that are entrepreneurs and things like that. So I'll, I'll stand up and I'll fight for this. I'll, I'll die on this hill. It's a worthy hill to die on. But I don't do it because I have to. I do it because it's the right thing to do. My life's the same. I don't give two shits about this. You know, Friday when I got done with work, my wife and I went down to uh, Tim Love's place uh, on the river down in Fort Worth. And we had a fantastic meal, couple drinks. It was a beautiful place. We had a great day and we came home. You know, we didn't care. We didn't need to show anybody a pass. Nobody bothered us. Nobody's wearing a mask. Nobody makes you wear a mask. Like, it's just not a thing. And because of that, it's harder to gin up the support from the person that's usually not involved with things in the first place 
and their life's pretty good. If their life gets any less good, then they'll, then they'll turn really easily on the people that are causing it. In this case, it will be the truckers for a better purpose, but you see what I'm saying. Uh, next, the, ma- the vast majority of the restrictions in the United States, it ties right into that last one. They're not federal. See, it's, it's, in- it's interesting to me that one of the things that a lot of these protests like BLM and the pink pussy hat protests after Trump got like it, the problem they had, they had no demands that were deliverable, that were coherent and simple and easy to understand. And you don't want 10 demands. You want like one, maybe two, but that's it. And they need to be something that rallies popular support. So their demands are no more mandates. Done. That's it. No more mandates. One demand. It's not even about the truckers having to get the vaccine now. It's no one should have to be putting a mask on their five-year-old kid to go to the store. No one should be prohibited from going to pray at their church or their temple. No one. So we want no mandates and let people take care of their own lives. Liberty. The United States, the problem we have with that is if you went to D.C. and you made that demand of our clowns there and, and uh, Biden, the potato in chief, about the only thing he's got at a federal level that's, that's held up is the health care worker mandate. That's worth fighting for, but it doesn't affect most people directly. So the, the restrictions in New York are onerous, but they don't affect the person in Georgia, Florida, Texas, Alabama. Right. So I think that that actually is a good thing, but it hurts an effort like this. Next up, um, most drivers in the U.S. are company drivers. So when you see those big Amazon, beautiful Amazon trucks rolling like that person can't take that truck home, like I said earlier. And uh, so there's a huge portion of our drivers that they don't own their rigs. And so they can't rally and go somewhere with them. But, but what they can do, like I said, things just not go to work. Next, it's likely coming anyway, and this is the big thing that I wanted to make sure I drove home to you guys. Now, I've been teaching preparedness on my podcast since June the 20th, 2008. And I have taught that the average person should work really hard to have at least 60 days of food in their home. Maybe not luxury 60 days of food. But if you took your keys to your car and you put them in a drawer and you locked the drawer with a time lock and that drawer said day 60 and the next day said day 59, day 58, and it wasn't going to open and you weren't going to be able to leave your house until it said day zero, that you would not be starving to death and you would have all your basic needs taken care of, your water, your food, etc. I've taught that. And I've taught that if you can get through 60 days, You probably actually can get through 90 because you can be intelligent and you can ration. You're always able to pure something. But 60 days is kind of the thing. And I always taught it from do a week, do that again, you got two weeks, do that again, you got four weeks, do that again, you got eight weeks, you got a month. Right? You, you actually lack a, about a half a week at that point, but you'll be all right. You'll, you'll figure out how to add that in. If you haven't done that yet, you need to do it now. Like right now. Like, I'm not fucking kidding. Because if this comes here, and I believe it's going to, and I could be wrong, but there are other things that could cause this disruption anyway. Okay? But if this happens, if 15% of the truckers in the United States 
either drive their rig somewhere, park it, and protest, or simply go home. The shortages we've had up till now will look like a day at Disneyland. Bear shelves Biden is, is going to be a joke compared to this. And then people are going to start getting violent about it. We already saw that it started to happen at the beginning of COVID, didn't it? There started to be fights in stores over toilet paper. You've already seen what this looks like, right? It's going to be a lot worse than it was then. When it sinks in that this is happening. And it's going to affect a lot. Like the thing about the, the shortages that we've dealt up till now, they've been bursty, right? And they've kind of moved around. Like there's a, you know, like gas is running out in a few gas stations. It's up a dollar or something like that. But then it comes back and then this thing's short and then this thing's short. And then we can't get fresh greens, but we got plenty of canned food. Then you can't find a canned food, but there's plenty in the freezer aisle and it's moved around like that. You get 15% of U.S. truckers to say, fuck this. I'm done until this shit ceases. That's not what it's going to look like. It's across the board. Like I said, a lot of our fuel moves around by trucks. Even the stuff that comes in by pipelines, they come into central distribution facilities, and then the trucks go to the gas stations. None of these gas stations have a pipeline plugged into them with a, with a float valve or something like that. So now when you can't get, for the truckers that are still on the road, they're having trouble getting fuel. This is like, this is what some of you guys were freaking out at the very beginning of COVID. I said, knock it off. Now you might. I'm not saying you're going to, but you might see it actually happen. Supply chain disruptions like you cannot imagine, okay? Um, big time. And more infighting than ever. You're going to see a lot more fighting within the parties, within the government, within the bureaucracy, within the media, but also within the people. A lot more violence, a lot more shoving around, a lot more freaked out Karens running around screaming at people for not wearing, like, the violence and it's the overall hostility is going to reach a fever pitch. And this is the important thing to understand. No matter how it ends, the good guys win, the good guys lose, or there's some truce in between, some give on both sides. But if we end up in these shortages and then they're like, okay, we're done, guys, and everybody goes back to their life, and all the truckers are willing to drive again, and all the truckers are able to drive again. This is again what I talked about last week about you stop the, you don't stop the presses. When you stop the presses, starting them back up takes a while. That's what this is. A lot more complicated though. So I would say you're looking at a minimum of a month for the shit clog to unclog. And then it's not back to the way it is now, let alone the way it was before. So this is going to be painful if we go through this. Very, very painful. And my gut is we're going to because how many of you just said you wanted to? But did you know what you were asking for? I think most of you did. You listen to this show, you know to prepare. But I'm telling you, you better go. All of you listening to this, all of you that have friends and family that shared this with you, and you just think I'm some lunatic, talk to some of the people in these chats. They'll tell you, I get this shit right a hell of a lot more than I do wrong. And all you have to do is just think about it. Go look at something in your refrigerator. There is a 71% chance, and I would say in food it's higher, but just anything in your home, there's a 71% chance that getting it to where you could acquire it involved a truck at some point. You know, that I know they, that little van, you know, comes from Amazon and brings you a little Sprinter van. First of all, that guy might go on strike, but even if he doesn't, 
that van comes from a warehouse and that warehouse is stocked by trucks. And yes, Amazon owns those trucks, but guess what? A lot of those trucks are loaded up from other trucks that Amazon doesn't own through distribution. And a lot of those drivers, again, they don't have to take the truck. All they have to do is not drive it. There's a leverage here and a power here, and that's why it's being done. And you better get prepared to deal with the consequences of it. Everybody I'm talking to says that they can tell this is coming. I, I don't talk about sources a lot. I do have some sources. I have some sources that are things like chief of staff for Congress people. And even those people are telling me, we think this is coming. We believe this is coming. So get prepared. Um, what comes next? I think this movement goes gro global, and I think it's going to be incredibly well organized. And I think it's going to be organized chaos. And what I mean by that is it will be organized, but it will not be globally organized. That would be a fucking disaster. What works in Italy is not going to work in Australia and it's not going to work in the United States. There's massive differences in all of these countries. What works in Canada can't be 100% of the blueprint for what we do in the United States because, again, our FBI is a lot more scum than the Canadian equivalent. They really are, especially at this point in, in history. Um, and they're a lot more likely to actually use this to their own ends. We have Antifa far more so than Canada, Canadians have to deal with. Uh, we have a lot more problems. We're a bigger country with a lot more distributed population, et cetera. A lot of where the Canadian convoy rolled through, pretty sparsely populated. There's going to be a lot more population centers to come through, overpasses where people can throw shit off. So we all have to do it differently, but it's all going to be – the U.S. one will be well organized. These are not going to be ad hoc. And I think there's been a little ad hoc here and there, some drivers driving around Italy blowing horns and stuff like that. But when these are done this way, they're going to be well organized. And that means they're going to work. As far as doing what they intend to do, that doesn't mean they'll get what they want, but it means they will work and you will have those disruptions. The government is going to try to stop this by removing some restrictions and they're going to play the we beat COVID card. If you look anywhere that already really hit the surge with Omicron, it's in decline like immediately, it like spiked this huge spike and immediately started to fall off. On the 4th of January, I made a tweet and said Omicron is, is, is mild, very much so. So look for the government to claim the vaccines beat COVID and start pulling back restrictions because they think it's the right time. They have to do this to a degree right now. That doesn't mean it will all go away. That doesn't mean it's completely over. That doesn't mean that they won't come up with an excuse by August that we need to do more restrictions and more push. Like, that doesn't mean it won't come back. They are going to call like a time out and they're going to do it under the auspice of we don't see you truckers. We don't know what you that's not real. You know, Baghdad, Bob, there are no trucks in Ottawa. Right. Like, I mean, that's literally what's going on right now. And they'll be doing that in D.C. There are no trucks in D.C. The whole damn beltway will be lined up with 18 hours. There are, you know, there is no Bernie will be out. My friends, I'm telling you, they're not here. Right. Like, that's how it's going to be. But they're going to have to do something. They're going to have to do something because this is something that I don't think they were really prepared for. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to take some stuff back because that will pull support from those pushing back because, hey, look, they're being reasonable. It will really all go away. If we just keep complying, one day we'll have our freedoms back. That's how these idiots actually think. And they're going to they're going to cater to those idiots with, hey, it's safe now. It's safe to take your mask off. You maybe you shouldn't, but you can if you want to. Shit like that. OK, Um 
Everyone even remotely connected to these convoys will be labeled right-wing, racist, white supremacist. Again, if you're a black Muslim driving a truck and you do this, and I've seen them doing it in Canada, they're going to say you are the face of white supremacy. That's what they're going to do because that's the only play they have left. They are going to slander people, and if they can cause anything to go really wrong, like a January 6th-style event anywhere, they will arrest people that had nothing to do with it, just like they were January 6th. And they'll take political prisoners. So I'm going to tell you that if you're going to be involved with this, and I plan to be involved with this, you need to be very smart about how you're involved with this. And you need to have rules like these Canadians have. These Canadians have, do not go in to the government buildings. Do not do it. I honestly think here in the United States, I don't know that we need to park our rigs outside of the White House. I don't know if that's really necessary. I, I, I think in the United States, we'd be better off with private property, looking for people that are willing to support this, that surround a D.C. metro mess. And basically turning it into like a giant Lollapalooza and pulling all these vehicles in because it's not really important that they sit out in front of the Capitol building or the White House. What's important is, one, that they be seen, and two, they don't do the job that they're expected to do until you stop doing this shit. We got to be really careful here. Um, they're going to blame the truckers for all the shortages, every shortage, including the ones that exist right now that the truckers haven't caused. That's going to come up. They're going to make them the enemy of the state. Hey, guess what, guys? They are the enemy of you, the state, right? They are the enemy of the state, but they are the ally of the people. This is an honest to God. This is what actual insurrection looks like. And again, it's happening in front of your eyes. You're, you're watching history occur right now, and you're watching your supposed media and journalists go, I don't see nothing. I don't see nothing. I don't see, there's nothing there. Worry about your snowfall. It's going to be 20 inches, 20 inches in New England in January. Oh my God. Puppy kittens are coming. I mean, literally that was all weekend. Non-stop covers. The storm of the century. Like, shut the fuck up, you idiots. Um, there will be massive riot style counter protesting. Now, I don't think it'll be where the truckers are. I think it'll be like the BLM protests that we saw last year and all, which is really a reason to get on this a lot quicker. Those guys aren't so, so comfortable out in the cold like the Canadians are. Um, early spring is riot season in the United States, and that's probably about when this will really kick off in the States. And I think you'll see like these big counter protests, um, demands that the truckers go back to work as though you can make somebody go back to work or something like that and an excuse. And I think you'll see a lot more cities burning and things like that happen. And if somewhere in the middle of this, the cops shoot an unarmed black guy or something like that, then you get like kerosene on the fire and diesel fuel on the kerosene. I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're headed here. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of that. You know, my final thoughts on this guys is this can work, but it's going to require something most people lack discipline. And this is where I want to throw out a little bit of a, uh, just a little bit of respect and honor to these Canadian truck drivers and to the people organizing it for something that is this anarchistic. And this is an anarchist movement. This is a real anarchist movement. I've never seen anything this well-disciplined. Is it perfect? No. 
But having this kind of mindset of we do not go into the buildings, we do not block the roads, we do not hurt people, we are polite with everybody, we do not get into fights, like, that's something that, like, Canadian culture is uniquely capable of doing. And I'm not saying we don't have people in the United States like that, but we got a lot of hot-headed idiots in the United States. In Canada, if you're going to be hot-headed, you go play hockey and you get it out of your system. Here you go down to the bar and start a fight, right? I mean, we, we've all seen it. And so... I think we're going to have to have that level of discipline, but I'm up for it. I'm ready for it. If I can't go to the grocery store next week and, and get what I want, I'll be okay. Next month, I'll be okay. Following month, I'll be okay. Will you? And if your answer to that is, I don't know, I'm not sure. You better start thinking about it right now. I mean, like I said, best time to get prepped was 10 years ago. Next best time is now. And it's still pretty easy to do. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to go get prepared. Good 60-day backlog. Eat your, your store store. We're not talking about MREs here. We're not talking about all kinds of crazy-ass, like, tin can food or something like that. We're talking about building up a deep pantry, maybe, you know, filling up that deep freezer out in the garage, whatever, preserving some food, learning some basic techniques, making sure you're ready to really hit that garden this year as we go into early spring, et cetera. That's what we're talking about. Get on it, because if you're not, it's going to be a problem. If you're on Odyssey, especially right now, I am uh, keeping my eye. If you want anything you want me to comment on in the chat on Odyssey, go in all caps, and I'll take a look there. I'm going to check on float. Looks like our stream is offline on float, I guess. I'm not sure why that's the case. But once again, the float feed has cro uh, crashed. But I will take some stuff from you guys now. And uh, Facebook people. Um, you guys can, you guys can comment as well, all caps, and I will see them and I will answer those. But like I was saying, this is coming. It's not going to go away. It's not a shiny object. The fact that the media is ignoring it tells you all you need to know. They're afraid. They're terrified. They're terrified because this is number one, it's real. Number two, the people behind it have enormous power, enormous power. Three, it has massive popular support. And number four, at the same time this is happening, the truth about all this shit is coming out. We told you years ago, cloth masks will not protect you from COVID nor protect you from spreading COVID. Now, that's on mainstream media every day, they admit that. So many things that we have told you about this are now admitted by the people that called us conspiracy theorists. And while that comes together at the same time a movement like this happens, they know how powerful that is. They know how bad that's going to hurt, you know, what little credibility they have left. And they're, they're about, they're like this close to losing control of everything. That doesn't mean we win. When I say losing control of everything, I mean where nobody listens anymore, nobody kowtows anymore. And everybody gets really pissed off, and you get absolute chaos. They're very close to that. Let's see what we got over here. What do you think fuel prices will top off at? I have no idea, but they'll double where they are right now, at least, if this shit goes down. They will. Because if you can't move fuel, you don't have as much fuel. And if you don't have fuel, it costs more. So I, I, I don't even think doubling is even remotely out of the question if if we have this actually come to the United States and they actually do it at the scale they're doing it in Canada right now. Um, Farmspun says, wow, there's a lot. 
This is going to be hard. What happened there? Just a big old jump. Uh, do you think this will actually have an impact on things in the U.S., or will it still be business as usual? Uh, did you hear the broadcast, dude? Massive impact. Massive impact. Not. I want to be clear what I mean by impact. I mean empty shelves. I mean a lot more people paying attention to what's going on. I mean a lot more strife. I mean the government being pushed up on the ropes. Does that mean they'll yield? I don't know that it means that. Like I said, I think they're going to yield on some things on their own, and they may even do it preemptively. If they're smart, they're going to pull a Boris Johnson, right? That's what they're going to do. They'll pull a board. They're going to ah, stop, wave it all off. Maybe New York's still crazy, but the rest, every, no, 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 we're not doing it, right? We don't need to do it right now. We, we, we won. That's what they're going to say. Maybe we'll see. Um, of course, that comes after the threat of drivers quitting over the mandate. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the case, right? Like if they, because what they're trying to do now, is they're starting to talk about doing this in the states. They're talking about, like, if you cross between state borders. They're also saying, so right now, if you cross into Canada as a U.S. driver, it's the Canadian government that says you have to have a mandate. We don't have a federal mandate that says if you do that, you have to have a vaccine to get back into the United States as a trucker, as far as I understand. But, like, so if Canada drops it, if the U.S. does it, you've got a, an issue there. Um Avondale Farmer says, Jack, Canadian here. What do we do about grain shortages? I feed pigs, chickens, and milk cow. How do we prepare for this? Store grain. Store feed. If you have animals, you need to store food for them just like you do for yourself. And, it, you know, again, I'm going to tell you, there are no food shortages. People are going to start getting tweaked out. Now, you got to wait till I get to the end, okay? There's no food shortages. There's no real supply shortages. All the stuff is there somewhere. There's not less pigs, and hence there's less bacon. There's less processing of pigs and less transportation of bacon, hence there's less bacon. And this is going to exasperate that. There's there's no special thing you can do. Like, yeah, I mean, it's great if you can move people to the point where they, they start learning to be more self-sufficient, relying less on external feed sources and all, but you don't have time to do that in the middle of winter. I would also say be prepared to slaughter some of your animals and have something that can be done with them so you're not burying them in the ground like happened at the beginning of COVID. Um, have you thought about their constitutional crisis thoughts? Who's there and what constitutional crisis? I, I'm really fed up with the term constitutional crisis. Everything's a constitutional crisis. So I'm not, I'm not picking on you, but I really don't know what you're talking about. So if you want to clarify on that, the Canadian constitutional crisis and what is it? Because everything today is a constitutional crisis. Every time somebody says somebody something else doesn't like, it's a constitutional crisis. Um, the World, Eco World Economic for Impact, well, wet, whew, World Economic Forum Impact on Government Policy, Trudeau was hand-selected. That's not really sounding like a question. I do believe Trudeau was hand-selected, though. He was hand-selected and placed into the position that he's in. And the WEF definitely has some things behind it. Uh, companies like T-Mobile still firing unjabbed excuse to downsize in anticipation of economic turmoil. Uh, companies that are continuing to fire people for being unjabbed, they're going to run into reality. They're going to run into reality because this is what happens. You get rid of your unjabbed and you figure out how to survive. And then you have normal 
um, you have normal employee loss. You have nor- normal turnover is the word I was searching for there. So you start having turnover. You start looking to hire people that are qualified to do the job in a market with a labor shortage. And a lot of the people that are available don't have jabs, which is why you got rid of the people in the first place. Um, a lot of these companies, they're going to run up against the labor shortage to the point where we're going to have to change policy. That's what's going to happen. And what I would be doing right now, if I ran a company of any size that employed people, I would be screaming to the rooftops. We do not require immunizations to work here. We believe in your rights. And I would hire as many of those people as I could just so my competitors couldn't. Because we're, we're now at a point where there just isn't a lot of people that have a vaccination that are useful as an employee that don't have a job. So that, that's what's going to happen there. Canada lawsuit against their government by a writer of their charter. Again, guys, if you're asking me a question, you have to actually be clear what you're asking me. I don't know what that means either. So apparently somebody's suing the Canadian government. I, you have, you have to be clear what you're asking me. I know I asked for a question in like one sentence. I think we're going to wrap up there though. This went long enough. Uh, how can I profit? There's a good question from Bear Springs Honey. How can you profit from this? Well, you could start a business that actually supplies things that people need, and then you could sell them the things that they need when they don't have a way to get them any other way. Um, you can watch this. I won't tell you what to do right now because you still got to look how it's going to play out. But you can you can watch this, and I'm, I'm guaranteeing you're going to get some opportunities if you're a stock trader to take some short positions and some long positions. Yeah, right. How can I profit? The biggest way you can profit right now, keep asking yourself that question. Ask yourself that question over and over again. How can I thrive in this chaos? That's always the best thing to do because I don't like, you know, how can I profit? I don't know what your resources are. Do you already have a lot of money that you can leverage in investments? Do you own a farm? You should already have your answer. You know, do you live in a one-bedroom apartment and eat hand-to-mouth every week on ramen noodles by Friday? The answer to all three of those situations is different. But how can I profit? You keep asking yourself that. And then within your world, that mental computer will switch on and help you find answers to that. Um, I'm going to read one more, and then we're going to go on. This is from uh, Jean. I'm from Quebec, and there have been a lot of pigs and chickens that were killed off because of the centralization of slaughterhouses, shutdowns, and labor union strikes, 500,000-plus pigs, and three to 500,000 chickens in the last year. And you know what? I know it sounds like a lot on, on like, global distribution scale, even national distribution scale. It's a tiny amount. And I think those numbers are actually exaggerated a bit by certain people who really want to profit from hysteria and fear in our space. I'm just going to say that. There's certain people in our space that everything they're going to, they're going to hack the fuel distribution network. Well, why? When they could just shut it down. Right. I've got a lot of what ifs when this is gone. Well, what if, what if this is just a a misdirection so that they can do the cyber hack that's going to shut down the food distribution systems. What if your aunt had balls? She'd be your uncle in spite of what the woke crowd tells you. That's how it works. Right. What if this, what if that, why would you do this as a misdirection? so that you could hack the food distribution network when this itself is going to shut down the food distribution network. What if, what if, what if is answered by, and when we reach that bridge, we shall cross it. This is why we prepare. What if, I don't care. 
I prepare to deal without systems of support. I suggest you guys do as well. And with that, I'm going to, uh, to wrap up today. I appreciate you guys being with me. We had 243 people on Odyssey right now. That is definitely a record for me on an Odyssey uh, live stream. So maybe YouTube kicking me off for a week was a blessing. I'll catch you guys later. Remember, you can catch the audio version of this show. All the notes, links, resources, and stuff like that will be out about one hour after the stream ends right now. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that one today. If you did and you want to help support our show, remember one really, really simple way to do that, join the Member Support Brigade. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com, click on Members. You can sign up there, and you get a bunch of really great discounts. That pays for your membership in of itself, and then you also support the show that you love. You can learn more, again, the survivalpodcast.com forward slash members, or just go to the main website and click on the Members tab. Next up, the other thing you can do is your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Remember, if you shop there, no matter what you buy, you help support the show and the work that we do. Today's item of the day is Wild Planet Canned Mackerel. And I know when you hear the words canned and fish, you're probably thinking mushy sardines. That is not the case here. You're probably thinking, I open that can and it wafts of fish stink throughout my home. No, and I even don't really mind the smell of good sardines and things like that, but my wife does. I'm sure many of you that like sardines and all have that experience. This stuff has less odor like when you open the can than a can of plain old chicken of the sea or star kissed tuna. It, it does not have that stink smell. Here's the biggest thing that it has, though. The fish has great texture. Most canned fish just falls apart. It's got nothing left to it. It's complete mush. Even good quality sardines don't have much texture. This mackerel, it has great texture. It's packaged in extra virgin olive oil, salt, and its own oils. That is it, full stop. No skin, no bones, completely ready to use out of the can. I've done a variety of things with it. I think my favorite use overall, though, has been using it in quick soups and as protein adds to my salads, including using the oil for salad dressing. And when I do the soups and I'm like sautéing vegetables and stuff for the soups, I use the oil to sauté in. It is fantastic. I'm going to suggest that if you're like, I don't do canned fish, you give this a try. And I'm going to tell you why. One of the most difficult things for us to lay up in our pantries and in our supplies as preppers is high-quality protein and fat. This, I just got a shipment of these in. They don't expire until 2026. And I'm sure they would be good after the... They wouldn't magically disintegrate the day after expiration, right? Um, so they have a really long shelf life. They taste great. They're also, when you hear mackerel, there's all different species of mackerel. Like most people think of the big-ass king mackerels. And those actually have a lot of mercury in them, mercury toxins, because they're so big and larger predator fish do. These mackerel average about a pound, uh, you know, an adult, a pound to two pounds. They're a smaller fish. They're much lower on the food chain, so they do not build up that high level of mercury. So they're a safe fish to eat regularly. So you got a fish that's inexpensive. It's under four bucks a can. It's about three fifty a can. You get them in packs of twelve. You store on your shelf for years. High quality fat and protein. And didn't we just talk about supply chains and things like that today? If you want to stock up and fill that void a little bit. This would be a good way to do that. And check out the article for all the cool ways that I use this stuff. It's one of those things I don't think until you try it, you're really going to understand how amazing it is. There's a sausage and anchovy soup that I've made with Wild Planet's anchovies, which was good. I, I, since I've done that write-up, I haven't changed it, but I made it with the mackerel. And when I suggested that it would be better, it was. 
It was. You would be shocked what you can do with this stuff if you'll give it a shot. Again, it's made by Wild Planet, uh, and it is Wild Planet's Wild Mackerel, skinless and boneless fillets and extra virgin olive oil. Again, ingredients. Mackerel, olive oil, salt, full stop. So no added crap. Just really, really great high-quality protein and fat. With that, let's wrap things up. I'm going to play a song for you today. During the uh, the video that you didn't see, if you were listening to this audio, you heard that song at the end, We Will Not Comply. And it's actually probably the first time I've ever played a rap song on uh, TSP. You didn't hear that portion of it, but it really is kind of a rap song with that chorus built into it. I dig this song. I'm all about this song. This song, by the way, is not about the Canadian Truckers Rebellion that we talked about today. It's about the whole thing because it came out in fall of 2021. Uh, the band that uh, performs it is known, as, or the group that performs it is High Res and Jimmy Levy. We will not comply. Indeed, we will not comply. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way You don't have to be another face in the crowd You don't have to live the way they tell you to Make your own way The others will follow Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares, they're living for 